up together, and uh, you can jump into this series that we launched last week, um, last Wednesday, this series entitled Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. This series is looking at the human body that God has created and that he's given us. It's absolutely miraculous and amazing, this human body that we have. But the series is not just about the physical body itself. You could take biology and go to a university if you wanted that. And for those of you that are in the medical field, thank you for doing that. I couldn't hang. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, couldn't do it. But we're going to be talking about the body of Christ, too, as it relates to the physical body. The body of Christ, which is us, the church. And so tonight, we're going to look at week two of this series, the structure of the body. And now, I, I typically on Family Wednesday, when I have scriptures, I'll ask someone. Someone will take anybody if it gets desperate, but I prefer... I prefer to have someone under the age of 18, you know, come up here. And so you children, uh, be ready when I get to a scripture. I'd love to have you guys come up and read that. And so, but the structure of the body. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, God, so much for who you are, your greatness, your power, your wonder, your majesty, your mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for these, these incredible bodies that you have given us, Lord God, that, in, in, that do so many supernatural, incredible things, Lord God, that were designed by you, and we're thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Just like other parts of your body, your bones speak a message. The bulky pelvis that God gave us portrays the gender who owns it. Now, I know in this day and age, there's a movement to let everybody choose their own gender upon birth. That's not scriptural, and it's not scientific. And so the pelvis even will often portray the gender of the person. A broad and shallow pelvis with a smooth inner ring belongs to a woman. Its opening, its oval opening is precisely the match for the size and the shape of a head of a baby because we're fearfully and wonderfully made. A man has a more narrow, heart-shaped pelvis. It's framed to handle heavier bones, and we're fearfully and wonderfully made. 26 bones. Take a look right now at your foot. Now, granted, it's probably in a shoe because they're saying po a potential more snow tonight. But if you look down, don't take your foot off. It's not foot washing. That's next week. I'm just kidding. Some of you are already making plans for next Wednesday. <laughs> but if you look at your foot, 26 bones line up in each foot. About the same number as your hand. I played soccer from kindergarten probably till about age 26. And over the course of a match, a soccer player may subject these small 26 bones to a cumulative force of a thousand tons. Now, not all of us play soccer. We might not all leap or kick, but we do walk, most of us, on average of some 65,000 miles. That is two and a half times around the entire world in a lifetime. Reliable bones serve us without failure. And those bones only grab our attention when? When we encounter discomfort, injury, a fracture. 
where we finally exceeded the high tolerance that that bone offers. It would seem preposterous to argue that bones limit us. I mean, do you ever talk to somebody, you know what, I'm so frustrated with my bones today. Uh, they just, they, they restrict me. They keep all my organs inside. It's just so restricting, these annoying bones. They, they hold everything in place instead of just letting me be me. Imagine someone hearing someone say that. Bones don't burden us. They free us to be who God has called us to be. Now, inside a spiritual body, there also lives some structure, some things that hold things in place. Much like our skeletal structure, there are biblical principles that never change. They provide some form of structure and safety. But in recent years, societies aim to enlarge the boundaries of what is acceptable behavior. The hookup culture has recast sex, not, only, it, not as an expression of personal intimacy and love, but it's an experiment between multiple partners. They, many have started advocating for the use, use of hallucinogenic drugs, and pornography came out of the closet and grew into a multi-billion dollar industry. The pornography industry now generates $12 billion in annual revenue. That's larger than the combined annual revenues of ABC, NBC, and CBS. Binge drinking swept across college campuses decades ago. Gender now, as I just mentioned, it somehow became fluid and more of a social construction that we let children choose instead of letting science and scripture define that. In this book I'm using for this series, Dr. Paul Bland said this. He said, I once attended a health conference with government agencies that included the Public Health Service, the CDC, the National Institutes of Health, and the FDA. The goal was to identify the top 10 health issues facing the United States of America. Anybody begin to think in your mind, what would the top 10 health issues be? Now, this is pre-COVID, but he says... I began jotting down health concerns being discussed. And he said, it occurred to me that almost all of the primary health issues in the United States were lifestyle related. Heart diseases and hypertension connected to stress. AIDS contracted through drug use or sexual activity. STDs, emphysema, and lung cancer caused by cigarette smoking. Fetal damage resulting from maternal alcohol and drug abuse. Type 2 diabetes and other diet-related disorders. Violent crime and automobile accidents involving alcohol and drugs. And he said, and I quote, studies show that two-thirds or 67% of deaths prior to the age of 65 can be traced to behavioral choices. Then he went on and he says, and I went to a comparables conference in India, and the difference was striking. There were infectious diseases dominating the list of their health concerns. On their list, it was malaria, polio, dysentery, tuberculosis, typhoid fever, uh, leprosy. And he said, if I had suggested 
to Indian health experts the possibility of eradicating their top 10 diseases, they would have hardly been able to imagine such a paradise. Yet look at us in the United States. After conquering most of those infectious diseases, the USA substituted new health problems for old, and the majority of them now stem from lifestyle choices. Oh, but we're free. So much freedom, these bones. We don't keep, let us be who we are. People often will say that about the word of God. Oh, you guys go to that church? There's so many rules, so many regulations. You have to do that. You can't do that. I don't want to be a part of anything like that. But really, God's principles are what keep us in a structure that maintains spiritual and even physical, emotional health. I see a close parallel between the spiritual body where rules govern behavior and function, much like dependable, strong bones. Often when the Bible says thou shalt not, we kind of check out in our society like thou shalt not, thou shalt not. We think the whole Bible is just filled with thou shalt nots. And, it, and we cringe when we hear that because it starts to feel restricting or limiting. But we tend to view these things as opposites to the concept of freedom. If God says, thou shalt not, I don't want that because I'm a free person. I should choose my own. I can make my own path. But God's rules are what provide the frame, the structure, the protection for his body called the church. Maybe we just need to pause and look at the Ten Commandments, for instance. Let's look at the Ten Commandments through a different lens. Think about it. Let's just look at the first four commandments that God sets out. He says, have no other gods before me. Don't worship idols. Don't misuse my name. Remember a day to set it aside to worship me. What if instead God stated the positive affirmations instead of the negative? What if it, instead we just remembered, hey, what's, what's he really saying here? He's, number one, I love you so much that I will give you myself and I'm the only God you'll ever need. Number two, I desire a direct relationship with you. Other representations are inferior. You can have me. You will be known as God's people here on earth. Value the privilege. Don't misuse my name by not living up to it. I've given you a beautiful world to play and work in and enjoy. As you set aside time, remember where it came from. Remember that your body that I gave you needs rest. You see... God's not as restricting as people make him out to be. Think about what he gives us in comparison to what he does not give us. It started by him saying, you can eat of every single tree in this entire garden. Just don't eat of that one. Humanity says, well, what's on that one? He says, you know what? I demand the tithe, the first fruit of your increase. But here's the thing. You give me the first 10%. That's all I'm asking. And you get to live and have and enjoy the other 90%. He says, the other days of the week are yours. Just remember the one holy day that I'm asking for. That doesn't sound restricting to me. That sounds like if it's all his, he could have taken it all. But he says, no, 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 90% is yours. I'm taking 10. Six days are yours. I'm taking one to be holy. All the trees of the garden are yours. Just don't eat of that one. That doesn't sound very restricting to me. And the next six commandments govern personal relationships, and they can work the same way. 
But bones, bones are not just a, a rigid structure. Bones are alive. Who here, with a show of hands, or maybe you're watching online, you can comment. Who here can raise their hand and say, I have broken a bone before? Raise your hand up high. Take a look around. Look at all the people who have broken bones before. How many have broken more than one bone? I mean, you broke more than one bone at one time. Look at this. You see, when a bone breaks, it's amazing. It actually starts a process of healing itself. A bone fracture sets an elaborate process in motion. Within two weeks, a cartilage-like sheath surrounds the region and mortar-laying cells are going to work to start to repair it. The newborn baby has 350 bones that will gradually fuse together into 206 bones carried by most adult humans. Many of the bones, baby's bones are soft and pliable. They're lacking the, the, hard, the quality of hardness. Well, why is that? Well, remember that pelvis I talked to you about? That little body has to fit through that pelvis. And so this is why birth, if, if, if the bones were rigid from the get-go, natural birth would be absolutely impossible for both mother and child. Folks, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So much of the Old Testament is typology, meaning that something that is written, it represents something else. That he might talk about the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. But when John introduces that, people wanted to kill Jesus because in the Old Testament, they would kill an animal. And that blood would atone for their sins for one year. But then Jesus steps on the scene and he says, wow, the, the Lamb of God. Jesus didn't walk up going, like, pretending he was a lamb that was a representation of the fact that, oh, wow, he represents that Old Testament lamb that takes away our sin. And so it, things would point to that and represent something. And, and in the Old Testament, when the Jews were preparing, I'll take my first reader, they were preparing the innocent lamb for the Passover. They had specific instructions, and no, don't all move at once. Take a look at just a few. I need someone to read right now. The awkward silence. Come on. All right. Woo-woo. Just do your best because I'm having you read King James, so it's going to be a little bit uh, different than you're used to. All right? Right here. When one house shall to be it be eaten, thou shalt not carry forth out of the flesh aboard out of the house, neither shall ye break a bone thereof. Awesome. Hey, guess what? Young people, children's ministry, if, if you're like, I, I can't go up there because I'm nervous, every human being that comes up here is nervous. So face your fears. You're going to have sweaty palms and your heart's going to race, but it's all right. Just come on up. All right? So he just read in the Old Testament, hey, there's, there's, you're, you're going to, I'm talk, talking about the lamb. He says, but you're not going to break a bone out of that lamb in the Old Testament. Now look at numbers. Next reader. Come on. 
The, the cool part about reading, too, is you can take your mask off up here. How awesome is that? Now, what's your name? Tell everybody. Johnny. Johnny. All right. Now, you're going to read this right here. The 14th day on the second month at every even, they shall keep it and eat it with unveiled bread and bitter herbs. Twelve, they shall leave none of it unto the morning, nor break any bone of it. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. You're professional. Give me five. Well done. I love it. So notice, did we just read two similar things in two passages? In both, there was a very specific command about that Passover lamb, about that animal that they were killing for the blood to be shed and push the atone for the sins for a year. What did it say? Don't break a bone. You're going to kill this animal, but you need to make sure that you do not break a bone. The structure of that animal, you don't break it. Okay? So the Old Testament says that about the innocent lamb of, of God. But then when Jesus steps on the scene, John 1.29, John says, Behold the lamb of God, speaking about God manifest in flesh, the human body of Jesus Christ. He says, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So now in typology, he became that Old Testament lamb. All right? Now, look back at a prophetic text in, in Psalm 34, 20. It says, he keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Do we have that passage, Psalm 34, 20? He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. That was a prophetic word in the Psalms about Jesus having every bone and not broken. There is an, this is an absolute miracle when you think about it, because when you look at Jesus Christ and the way he died, they blindfolded him. They repeatedly hit him in the face and in his body. They whipped him across his back, beat him with a stick, put a crown of thorns upon his head that went so deep it pierced his skull. Nails were driven through his hands and feet, and finally they stuck him in the side with a spear. And through all that, not a bone was broken. Someone, Isaiah 52, 14. This is New Living, too. It's more contemporary English. It'll be easier. Come on. Come on up. Yeah. Show them how to do it. Hey, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you did fine. You did fine. All right, here we go. Isaiah 52, 14, New Living Translation. Here you go. Many were amazed when they saw him beaten and bloodied, so disfigured, one would say, scarcely know he was a person. All right. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm getting ready to read another one, so go ahead and skip the awkwardness and fight the fear while I, while I talk for a second. Okay, so it says, many were amazed 
that they saw him. He was beaten. He was bloodied. He was beat so bad that scripture tells us that he, he wasn't even recognizable as a human being. But yet, just as it was prophesied in the Psalms, not one of his bones was broken. Now to top it off, let's take a look at a place where Jesus definitely should have had his bones broken. I need two readers right now. You can come up together and then it's less scary. All right, come on. Anna, is that Anna? Come on. One more reader. Come on, we need one more, one more. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Tell them, look at your friends and say, come on up here. Okay, all right. We need one more. One more. Hurry, 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 hurry. Come on. Johnny, you going to read again? Come on, man. You did, you did, you're a pro. So, all right. You're going to read this first part. You just sit tight here. All right. Read this right here. So that means he died. Okay, stay here. Now verse 31. 31. The Jews flee for because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath. Sabbath day was was that Sabbath day day was an high day he he thought Pilate that their legs might be broke, broken and that they might be taken away awesome see great job great job good job all right you can go be seated you're coming up next stay here all right so Passover is a big time. They got these naked bodies hanging. They're killing these people for crimes. Jesus didn't commit a crime, but they're like, we need to get these bodies down. So what we're going to do is we're going to go beat and, and break the legs so that they can't push up to breathe. So they're just going to go down. But so now they're start, they start doing that, but to make death more, come more quickly. However, look at the rest of the story. Read verse 32 right here. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the fist and of the other which was crucified him. Okay, so they broke the legs of the thieves that were crucified, all right? And now they're getting ready to do the same thing to Jesus. But, but now look at verse 33. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was dead already. They break not his legs. You can go be seated. Awesome. Yes. Great job. So notice, they said, all right, we got to get rid of these bodies, breaking legs, trying to get people so they can't breathe, and they're going to die on this cross. They come to Jesus, and they say, wait, hold it. They, scripture just says they didn't break his legs like they were doing everybody else. Verse 34 says, why? But one of the soldiers with the spear, he was already slumped in death. So, so the soldier says, it's still not enough. So they take a spear, still didn't break any bones, and they poked his side. 
And he saw it and bear record, and the record is true, for he knows these things are true. Jonah says, hey, I saw this myself. In verse 36, it says, for these things were done that the scripture, that one we just read in Psalms, might be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. Why does the Bible go so much out of its way to let us know, prophetic word, don't break the Passover lamb's bone. Psalm says Jesus is not going to have a bone broke. Then it tells us the story about him breaking everybody else's bones around, but they come to him and he's already slumped in death, so they don't break his bone. Why? So that this prophecy can be fulfilled. It's like it goes out of its way over and over throughout the Bible to let us know that his body was never broken. It was always intact. It was never broken. Someone tell me medically, what are bones to us? Bones are the structure of our body. What does that mean to us today? Well, what is the church known as? The body of Christ. And so, in Ephesians 5, 29, it says, No man have ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord of his church. He says, For we are members of his body. And get this, what Paul writes. He said, We're not only members of his body, the, the body of Christ, but what else does it say? Of his flesh and of his bones. Do you just see what just happened there? Let me explain in case you missed it. So the Old Testament Passover lamb, that's the atonement lamb. Bones aren't broken. Jesus, his bones aren't going to be broken. Prophesied in Psalm. You get to the New Testament, everyone else's bones are being broke. His aren't going to be broke. Poking with the spear, still bones aren't broke. It's not going to happen. And then Paul says, and just FYI, we are not only the body of Christ. We are actually a part of the structure of his body. We are the bones of Christ. And guess what that means? They couldn't touch his bones. They could hang them on a cross. His blood could be shed, but the structure of our Savior was never touched. The God, his bone, when he took on flesh, he was never broken. And we are now a part of the body of Christ, namely his bones. Meaning no matter what, as long as we stay in the body of Christ, we cannot be broken. We cannot be destroyed. We're part of his bones, the bones that are unbroken. If we truly are the body of Christ, and, and then, then you know what? You're gonna, just like Jesus, you're going to go through in your lives, I don't care if you're children's ministry, student ministry, hyphen ministry, adults, or if you're retired and you're saying, man, I, I don't even know how much long I'm going to live. It doesn't matter what age group you fall in, what season of life you're in, we are all part of the body of Christ, but... Just like Jesus, there's going to be things that are tough, agonizing, painful, challenging, just like it was for Jesus. There's going to be blood, sweat, tears, and agony along this journey. 
And that might happen professionally, personally, emotionally, financially, relationally. The devil can bring you hard times, but if you are part of the body of Christ, he can never touch the structure of the church. And he's tried all throughout the Bible. It, it, he started trying way back when Pharaoh says, you know what, kill all the Hebrew male babies. Herod tries to do that in the New Testament, all through Scripture. Then they said, you know what, start persecuting the Christians. Feed them to lions. He tried to kill the disciples. All throughout history, the enemy has tried to snuff out or stifle the church. It's always been that way. So when we get to 2021, we're, yeah, but the, it seems like some of the policies now are against the church. It seems like some of the societies against the church. It's always been against the church. There's never been a society where if the church is aligning with the policies of society, there's a problem. All through scripture, their enemy was always fighting the church, always trying to persecute the church, stand to get the, stands against the church, stop the church from growing. He, that's always been the goal. But through it all, you cannot touch the structure of the church. Because the structure of the church is founded in the very, the, the very structure of the body of Jesus Christ. That even when he died on that cross, there was prophetic words and there were things that went forth that said, not a bone, not a single bone. I don't care how much torture I go through, how much blood I lose, how much persecution I face. You can't touch the structure of who I am. And we are the body of Christ. And we are even his bones. And so you are part of a body. Hear me. You are part of a body that cannot be broken. And so when I say every age group, every child, every youth, every hyphen, every adult, you are part of a body that can't be broken. But the key for you is this. In all of life, seasons and trials and discouragements and in whatever you face in life, the key for you is found here. You have to stay in the body. Because if you as a member of the body say, I'm just a finger, I'm just this, I'm just a toe, I'm just an ear. I'm going to go out. I don't need this whole community. I can go do life by myself because at the end of the day, I'm going to blaze my own trail. I don't want to be stuck in this religious jargon. I don't want to be stuck where they talk about rules and regulations of what I should and shouldn't do. I'm going to go live in freedom. I don't need the body. You will find that is when death takes place. When we say, I don't need to be a part of that, I can do it by myself. That's where death takes place. That's where the destruction, that's where we lose the protection of being in the body of Christ. And so today, there is such a beautiful promise that we have here. Prophetic richness in scripture that we also see in our own body. When you hit, when you feel these bones, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. These bones aren't restricting. They provide the structure of your life. They provide the, the safety for internal organs. But the minute I start saying, oh, I don't need this. I don't need that. I can go live by myself. No, no. We step outside the realm of the protection of what we just read about. We're going to face all kinds of stuff. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to face all kinds of stuff. But if we stay in the body, we cannot be broken.
we cannot be destroyed. And that is why, too, at one day, the trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. But as long as we stay in the body, I keep repeating the same thing on purpose because I want it to ring in your head. As long as you stay in the body, you can't be broken. There's a prophetic word from God. It doesn't matter what you come against. As long as you stay in the body of Christ, you cannot be destroyed. You'll face things, but the enemy cannot touch the structure of the church. Jesus, as we wrap up this service and as we begin to find a place to pray tonight, oh God, what this beautiful thing called the church, it's more than a building we go to to hear music and a, and a, and a preached word. We're a part of something so much bigger than just a church facility and a group of people who gather together to hear messages. God, we're a part of the church that that when we took on your name and when you filled us with your spirit, God, we were born into something that is powerful and amazing. God, and we're so thankful, Jesus. We're so thankful, God, that in spite of everything we face, every, every trial that we come up against, any enemy, any problem, any issue, that we know that, you know what? It, it might hurt at times. There might be blood, sweat, and tears and agony at times. But at the end of the day, if I stay in the body, I can't be broken. I can't be destroyed. It's a prophetic promise that was spoken about way back in the Old Testament. And so, God, we're thankful to be a part of the body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah.